Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm going to bring you the second Bible reading for this morning, which is uh, taken from Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 5 to 11. So please uh, follow up on the screen. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, we are up to the final talk in our series on the doctrine of God, God is... And I really do hope the last month or so has been helpful for our souls, our minds being stretched as we try to grapple with the vastness and the measureless and the incredible, marvellous God we have, but also our hearts and our souls enlarged as we consider that this God, as awesome as he is, would care for us and would love us and would condescend to even our level. And so today we come to our last one, God is unchangeable. And so as we prepare our hearts once again, let's join in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word and submit ourselves to you, we pray, Lord, that you would, in your kindness to us, help us to see how marvellous and wonderful and glorious you are, and even more so, so that our hearts might be driven further and deep into the worship of you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may have heard of the saying, the only constant in life is change. Have you heard of that before? The only constant in life is change. And it's very true, isn't it? Everything is changing. Everyone is changing all around us all the time. I mean, have you noticed how much the kids in our kids' church or the youth in our youth group, how how they've changed, even just over the last few months? I mean, little Caleb, the first time I saw him, actually, I can't even remember when was the first time, but he was a lot smaller than he was today. Or the youth, they've shot up a lot of our youth in our youth group. Some of us have grown vertically, some of us have grown horizontally, but that's okay. But change is happening all the time. Last week in kids' church, the kids were shown some uh, wedding photos of those couples in our church from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. And you look at those photos of these couples when they were first married to what they look like now, lots of change, big change. Some have grown old and age gracefully, some less so, but change. The only constant in life is change. But people, we all change also in not just physically, but in our behaviour and in our character. I mean, just consider what you were like Five years ago, 2016, were you more patient then or are you more patient now? 
How has your generosity changed over those five years? More generous, less generous? What about your temper? Has that changed? And I suspect for all of us, it has changed to some degree. Or consider even how our moods and our emotions, they just change daily. It could be a good day or a bad day, a happy day or a sad day. The sun is shining, so it's a good day. It's an overcast, drizzly, damp day, so it's a bad day. You see how fickle we are, even with our emotions, how random our mood can be. But then, of course, there is change for the better, abounding in love, growing in grace, learning forgiveness, knowing what it means to fear God. We all change. But when we come to think about God, one of the attributes of God is that he is unchangeable. For God to be God, he has to be unchangeable. Otherwise, we'll end up with a God who is fickle and wavering and undependable, just like us. I mean, imagine if God was just like us. His mood changes with the weather. Or he gets forgetful. Or he decides one day to love us and the next day he'll remove that love from us. But you see, that is not the God of the Bible. God is unchangeable. Or to put it theologically, there are two words I'd like you to learn. The first one is that he's immutable, which means he does not mutate. He's not subject to change. You see why that's important? If God had to change, it would mean that God was not yet perfect and that he has something to improve on. But that's not the case. He is immutable. And the second word I want you to learn is that he's impassable. That is, he's without passions. Now, that might sound strange. But in the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is what we read. God is a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions. Now, this does not mean that God is not, does not have emotions, not at all, but that God is not subject to his emotions like we are. God is not susceptible to emotional fluctuations. He's not overcome by emotions like we are. He's always in control. And so God is both immutable and impassable. That is, God is unchangeable. Now, you might be wondering, what's the big deal? Why is that that we need to understand that God is unchangeable? You see, it's a big deal because if God was anything less, then all the promises of Scripture would fall and collapse. You cannot trust it. You cannot depend on the Bible. You cannot read it and think that it is true. Everything about God, about life, about Scripture would all collapse. And our faith would be futile if God was changeable. And so the saying, the only constant in life is change, is not entirely true. Because God himself does not change. And so in this talk, we'll look at four big points. The first one is God's nature does not change. The second one is God's character does not change. The third one is God's promises do not change. But yet the fourth one, somehow, somehow, in Christ, we see change. And so the first one, 
God's nature does not change. There is a vast difference between God creator and us as creature. We are subject to change all the time. Our bodies are time bound. I mean, this past week, some in our church family had their birthdays. We grow older every single year. This past week, we got to visit one of our members who turned 97 years old on the Monday. Every year, we get older. You can't stop the clock. You can't stop aging. We can't have the same birthday twice. And those of us who are getting older, we're all getting older, but those of us who are older, we feel in our bodies. I remember when I was 20 years old, I had no idea about back pain. Didn't matter to me. Didn't care about it. But now that I'm over twice that age, you know what? Back pain is a real thing. Sleep on the wrong angle and you know you wake up having back pain. Not so with God. God does not change because he does not need to change. He does not need to become anything else. He is already perfect. You see, God cannot change for better or worse because he is already eternally perfect. And that's why when we come to the Psalms, we're meant to be left breathless when we consider who God is. In our first reading, Psalm 102. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. Now just try to picture that psalm in your mind. As unshakable Mount Everest is, as permanent the Pacific Ocean seems, as enduring the stars look like in the night sky. But when compared to God, they're just like an old T-shirt that God just takes off and throws away. And that is why when any child asks a parent, you know, when Caleb grows up and asks his parents, who made God? What would you say? You know, you know that question our children would ask? Who made God? How would you answer that? Well, this was J.I. Packer's answer, and it's a good one. It is simply God did not need to be made, for he was always there. He exists forever, and he is always the same. He does not grow older. His life does not wax or wane. He does not gain new powers, nor lose those he once had. He does not mature or develop. He does not get stronger or weaker or wiser as time goes by. See, God is unchangeable. God's nature does not change because God is already, always, for all eternity, perfectly powerful, perfectly wise and good. And that is how God has revealed himself in the Old Testament. Remember the name that God gave himself when God appeared to Moses? What was the name of God? Was it Bob or Jack? Or... No, what was the name of God? God revealed himself to Moses as I am who I am. It's where we get the name Yahweh from. God doesn't go by names like us, but he uses a verb, 
I am. You know, a verb, some of us, I mean, English, we learn English grammar still. I, a verb is a doing word, but it is a verb that God uses as his name, I am. Now, why? Well, because it is a declaration of God's self-existence. He always is. He just is. And it's also a declaration of his eternal changelessness. What he is now, he has always been. And he is eternally. In fact, the name of God is often translated in the present tense. I am who I am. But in fact, if you look at the Hebrew, it's in the future tense. I will be whom I will be. That is, God will be what he has always been. His glory and his power will never diminish or fade. And so God's nature is unchangeable. Unlike us, everything changes. Everything in the entire universe changes, but not God, because God stands outside the universe. And that is why when we read of the Psalms and God is described as our rock and refuge, God really means that he is our rock and refuge because he does not change. And so God's nature does not change, nor does his character change. If God is love, he is always loving. It doesn't change. It doesn't wane over the centuries. If God is holy, he is always holy. It doesn't waver. You see, God's character is, is not fickle or volatile or temperamental or unstable like ours. I mean, if God was so unstable, what hope is there for us? How can you depend yourself on someone who is fickle and wavering? In fact, if that were the case, you would be terrified by such a God because you don't know if today God's going to love me or hate me because he's fickle. You know, God would be like the ancient pagan gods. That's what they were like. They were moody, emotional, manipulative. One minute they give themselves to lust the next they can go in crazy fits of rage. They're capricious. But not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is rock solid in his character. And so when we read what God is like as God has revealed himself in Exodus again, what did God say? Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, that is the name of God. Yahweh, I am, I am. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And so what that means then is that God did not need to learn compassion. He did not need to grow in love and grace and mercy. He did not have to go to the school of faithfulness and justice because he was always all of that already. And God never acts out of character. So different to us. God never acts out of character. But we do, don't we? When we're born, we're not born compassionate. We have to learn that. We find ourselves sometimes acting out of character. When we're under stress, when the pressure is on, we say things we don't mean, we do things we regret, 
And that happens because we're fickle. Why is it that decent, measured, middle-aged men can one day grow old and grumpy and callous and bitter as they age? Why? Simply because we change. We're fickle, we're malleable, we're sinful. But not so with God. He does not change like shifting shadows. His power is never abated. His wisdom never diminished. His holiness never sullied. His goodness never tainted. And so God's nature does not change. God's character does not change, nor do the promises of God. What God says, he will do. What God promises, he will fulfill. Now, we may not think too much of that, but we stake our salvation on that very fact that God will not change his mind. And that's what we see in passages throughout Scripture. I'll show a few to you. Numbers 23. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Or Isaiah 40. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Or Isaiah 55. My word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You see, with God, there is no, there is never, I'm taking back my word. With God, there is never, we'll never hear God say, I didn't mean that. I mean, that's what we say. We say that a lot, don't we? I didn't mean that. I didn't intend that. Or I need to take that back. We say that because we're fickle. We cannot make up our minds. We don't understand or know our minds or we just change. But not so with God. See, when Abraham lied about his wife, when Isaac, his son, lied about his wife just like his father did, when Jacob deceived his brother, when King David committed adultery and had Uriah murdered, God could have said, I've had enough with you bunch. I've had enough. You fickle people. I'm taking back my covenant. I'm taking back my word. But no, God kept it despite them. God remained committed to them because God remained committed to his promises. His promises are unchangeable. And so do you see how vastly, vastly different God is to us? God will never let us down. But we do. We let each other down. When was the last time you've been let down by someone because they did not keep their word? Let's meet at 1 p.m. They rock up at 1.05. Can we tolerate that? Or it could be something more serious. Or when was the last time you let someone down? A dad promising his son, sure, I'll take you shopping. Sure, we'll go and have some fun together. Sure, I'll be at that concert. But then we hear, oh, sorry, buddy. Work was too busy. I got caught up. Life is just crazy at the moment. Let's let's do it again another time. But you said, Dad, 
I was waiting, Dad. Have you ever heard that as a parent? What disappointment that is to a child's heart. But God is not like that. God is never like that. He does not forget. He does not need to recall. What God said a million years ago, he says the same today. What God does is that he will never need to swallow his words like we do. He'll never need to eat his words like we do. Because what he says is always true. And it can never be refuted. Why? Simply because God is unchanging in his promises. What God says he will do. What God promises he will fulfill. But yet... But yet, in the glory of the gospel, what have we seen? Now, this is really, really hard to fathom, to get our minds around. Because what did the immutable, unchangeable God do? Well, in the glory of the gospel, God the Son left the glory of heaven and took on human flesh took on human flesh that was not a part of him. The God who needs no help was born a helpless baby. The God who is the word of God needed to learn to talk with words. The one who gave us legs to walk around had to learn to crawl and walk. The one who provides all food to all creation, yet himself experienced hunger and thirst. The one who never slumbers or sleeps, but yet grew tired and weary. The one who gave life to all mankind, but yet suffered at the hands of mankind. The one who is himself life, but yet had life snuffed out of him. How do you make sense of that? The unchangeable, immutable God. But yet the unchangeable, immutable God taking on himself mutable human nature. And that's what we read of in that wonderful ancient hymn in the second reading, Philippians 2. We'll have a look at that again. Christ, who being in very nature God, unchangeable in nature, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He takes on a nature that is now changeable, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Somehow, though fully divine, Jesus Christ added onto himself human nature to his divine nature, such that at the same time Jesus is fully man and fully God. He is at the same time immutable God, yet mutable man. How do you fathom that? How do you make sense of that? It's why Christians for all centuries expressed it so difficultly. How do we make sense of it? Charles Wesley, in his hymn, This Mystery or 
the immortal dies. It's a mystery. But yet we have to remember, though there is a change in taking on human nature, nothing at all has changed in the character of God. You see, what Jesus did, being loving, being sacrificial, being selfless, self-giving, even going to the cross, is not out of character for God to do, but was in fact in his very character to do such a thing. It is consistent with who God is for all eternity, immutably perfect in character and purpose. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 13 was able to say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Now I wonder, in this series, whether you have noticed as we consider the five attributes, the five aspects of God, they all find its focus in Jesus Christ. Have you noticed that? Every single talk, we ended talking about Jesus Christ. God is Trinity. How do we know that most clearly? It was in the coming of Jesus Christ and the pouring out of the Spirit. God is Spirit. Spirit meaning God is unknowable, invisible, unapproachable, but yet in Jesus Christ. He becomes knowable, visible, and approachable. God is infinite. Remember that one. God's infinite power and wisdom and goodness and justice and love finds his focal point in the cross of Christ. God is eternal. Last week, somehow the everlasting God, as Charles Wesley puts it, our God contracted to a span. The eternal God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. And God is unchangeable. We see in Jesus Christ the immutable God taking on mutable human nature that we might have everlasting life. And so the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You, you have to see that as a pattern. All finds its focus in Jesus Christ. But God is unchangeable in his promises. And so what do you think about that old axiom? The only constant in life is change. Well, that may be true of everything and everyone. We're all fickle, we waver, we're inconsistent, but not God. Never God. And it is vitally important that we know that. You see, this is a doctrine for us. It may sound abstract, but it is a doctrine for us. And it's meant to do at least two things for us. The first one is, whatever faith we have, it is meant to strengthen our faith. And the second one is, whatever our view of God is, it's meant to make God far bigger and deeper and greater than that. And so the first one, this doctrine is meant to strengthen our faith. Whatever assurance we have of eternal life, of salvation, of heaven, of dying tonight and being with God in glory, whatever faith we have is meant to strengthen that and whatever assurance is meant to make it rock solid. Why? Because it is grounded in the God who will do what he says and fulfill what he promised. And so when God promises that he loves us, when he says he loves us, 
It's bound to him being unchangeable. It will always remain true. It's a love that is as strong as death. It is unshakable. God is not fickle and wavering. God will not say, I mean, we might feel that way, but God will not say, I love you today only, but tomorrow I'll think about, about that again. God will not say, well, I'll consider loving you if you love me back. God will never say, well, it depends on the day. If it's a good day, then I'll be kind. If it's a bad day, I'll let all hell let break loose. That is not God. And if he said that he loves us, it is always true that it is with an infinite, eternal, perfect, unchanging love. He can't love us any more than he does in Jesus Christ already because that's already perfect. You can't get more perfect than perfect. And so it is one of the greatest comfort and stability we have because God doesn't change. You see, for some of us at the moment, life might feel like it's a bit all over the place. And some of you may feel that way. It's just all over the place. Things are changing all the time. So many things, so many balls to juggle. But God does not change. We can find security and stability in him. Or I might be a bit fickle in my own feelings. I'm not sure if God loves me today. You don't need to think that way because God has not changed. Or when I consider my life package and I'm ravaged by illness and everyone else seems to get off okay, or I struggle mentally and it feels like it's just me alone, is God's love for me less than others or has it changed? Well, not at all. Do you see how stable that is? Despite how we feel or what we feel each day, it has not changed. I mean, we read in John 13, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. That never changes. And it's also meant to strengthen our faith by deepening our assurance. You see, when God says that he'll save us in Jesus Christ, he will. There need not be any doubt. We can be absolutely 100% certain. And so if you call yourself a Christian, you can be certain, absolutely certain of what the future holds. If God is for us, we read, who can be against us? And if God is for us, he is always for us. It's not as though God came up with the gospel story, sent his son to bear our sins, to, to receive the wrath of the Father so that God would promise eternal life to all who trust in him but then decides at the last moment to change his mind. When we face God on judgment day, for God to say, oops, I, I just changed my mind. It's not the gospel anymore that will save you. It's not the gospel anymore that will let you into heaven. God will not do that. Not so with God. He's unchangeable in his character, faithfulness and promises. And if that is true, and I suspect this affects and touches all of us. Why do we doubt in life? Why do we doubt God's goodness and love towards us? Why do we doubt and question, does God still love me today? Or we doubt, is God still in control of this messy world? Or doubt whether we'll get to glory one day? 
You can just imagine God saying to us, I have not changed one bit. I have not changed for all eternity. It's you who have changed. You wouldn't doubt people, but we don't doubt God. This is a doctrine that's meant to strengthen our faith. And finally, it's a doctrine that is meant to enlarge our view of God. Whatever our understanding of God is, he's bigger and greater and more marvellous than that. There is no one in this entire universe who is more dependable than God, more reliable than God. He is indeed our rock and refuge. And so what does it mean then if God is such a God? Well, again, it's meant to drive us to worship. Theology leads to doxology. Thinking about God not only stretches our minds, but enlarges our hearts and souls. Arthur Pinky said, All praise to his glorious name. He is ever the same. His purpose is fixed. His will is stable. His word is sure. He then is a rock on which we may fix our feet while the mighty torrent is sweeping away everything around us. I can stake my life on such a God. And what will the future hold? Well, our future is as bright as the unchanging promises of God. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen.